I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. Today is our first post parental alienation season podcast. We're taking a break from that sort of in depth, detailed, kind of depressing topic. And we are going to move on today to talk about something that we both run into from time to time and you sort of see out in the wild, as they say, which is parents forcing kids to say, I love you. Linda, you haven't ever seen this, have you? Never. Never. It's in the same category as forcing hugs or, you know, just about anything along that line. Yeah, exactly. It's not not a good idea, not helpful. And we're going to break it down a little bit. So here's the structure for our conversation about this today. We're first going to talk about some of the scenarios in which you will commonly see a parent trying to make a kid say, I love you. Not going to cover all of them, but we're going to toss out a few. We're going to try to think about why do parents do that? Why engage in that behavior, which is ultimately so counterproductive? And then what are the effects on kids themselves and on the relationship between kids and the parents who are doing it? And obviously, the effect on the kids just kind of flows into the effect on their relationship with their parents. So, Leonard, what are some of the scenarios in which we see a parent trying to get a kid to say, I love you, whether whether they are separated parents or uh, an intact family? Yeah, I think it can start in intact families if the child is the personality type not to be real effusive with it. But it can also develop that way as the child matures and is in a different um, developmental stage. Some kids just have personalities that are very bubbly and outgoing with it and may say it, you know, several times in an hour. And other kids, it may be, you know, twice a year that they feel like saying it. So if you are in an intact family or after a separation, you ought to know your child's personality and developmental stage enough to know what to do about that. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially, you know, our son just turned 18 this past week as we're recording this. And I feel like uh, boys that age turn into Han Solo. Do you remember in the... I can't remember which one that was, Return of the Jedi, where they're freezing him. The And, and uh, Princess Leia says, I love you. And he says, I know. <laughs> you know. Well, and that I love that that story because that is exactly what a kid who's embarrassed by having to say that may hopefully totally believe it and feel it. Just doesn't want to say it, even if you're at home, just with him, you know. But that's what they frequently say, especially like in uh, the reconciliation process when I've got a, a parent and child together talking about things. Even if the session is ending on a really good note 
And the parent always says, which is great, I love you. And sometimes it sounds like they're expecting a response, but sometimes it doesn't. They're just making a statement. You can tell the difference. But the child frequently says, I know, or yeah. Yeah, and that's so that's one of those scenarios for reconciliation process. And you're right, you can tell the difference between the statement of I love you and you know, putting the the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable when you say, <laughs> I love you, you know, I love you. What are you gonna say back? Especially if it's repeated. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. And nothing makes a kid want to say I love you like forcing them to say I love you. Right. That should be on a greeting card. Oh. And some of the other scenarios are, you know, phone calls, you know, ending the phone call. And, you know, we have long goodbyes and visitation transfers when a parent just wants to make it go on and on and on. And they do the same thing on phone calls sometimes, too. Yes. On either side, it can be the parent that the child is leaving either direction that yep. will just force that long goodbye. Right. It's like having... Um, these steps in a ceremony that for some reason they feel have to be checked off the box before the phone call can be done. And it seems like right. one of those, one of those check marks is having perfunctorily said, I love you. And you can't get off the phone until it's said. Right. I do have kids that have told me if I don't do that on a text line with the parent or on a phone call with a parent, it just goes on and on. Right. And, you know, and I tried to help parents understand that we are not the same as our kids. You know, we're older. I think just everyone understands parents are older than kids. And <laughs> I know you didn't grow up with a cell phone and well, I no. didn't grow up with a cell phone. And if you have a parent that has a teenager, there's a good chance that the parent with the teenager didn't grow up with a cell phone and texting unless they got sorted pretty quick out of the gates. And so we just don't understand the culture and how they feel about text messages. And what I try to help parents understand is, you know, if you ever see how your kids text with their friends, they can be texting with their best friend that they can't wait to see the next day. And they're not going to be necessarily effusive with emotion. Right. So if you want to be texting with your kid in a way that they actually want to text back with you, try to have some parent version of the way they text with their friends, because that's what you already know they like to do. Usually with one letter responses like K. Right. (laughs) Or the thumbs up. Right. You know. All right, so we've got phone and text messages. We talked about the reconciliation process. We talked about visitation transfers, but also just like events. You know, you're at an event, maybe an award ceremony, a sporting event, especially when you have the situation where the parents are separated. And sometimes a parent will just interject the need for the kid to say, I love you, in one of those public events as well, which tends not to go well. And that's not good for whomever has happens to be around, but especially not if they feel like the other parent is within earshot or is watching. Yeah. And parents, for some reason, parents think that their kids are stupid. Kids aren't, I mean, they have less experience. It doesn't make them dumb. 
And right. kids can quickly pick up on the fact that you're saying I love you or you're trying to get them to say I love you, not because of the, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Not because of the inherent truth of that moment between you, right? but as a signal to someone else. Exactly. And that just feels gross. It. it feels like a gross manipulation. Yes. Well, I think what we're talking about in general with this, and the reason maybe we're talking about it, it, is it can all add up to manipulation and it feels that way on the kid's part. And then I always want to know with parents, what are you teaching them? You know, are you teaching them how to manipulate with something that could be so important, you know, down the road in their lives? And then are you diminishing the meaning of those words? I think you probably are. And I'm a firm believer in children respectfully, but setting firm boundaries. You know, like, for example, you know, if some relative wants to have you sit on their lap or whatever age kid you are or sit too close to you or whatever, you know, kids need to know that it's okay to say no to that, you know, and to set a boundary. And this is one of those things that if, if somebody wants to hug them, kiss them, tell them they love them and expect that to be returned, that's a boundary problem. Right. And it's better. I'm, I'm a proponent of setting the boundaries stricter and then allowing for exceptions if the kid feels comfortable. Right. And helping them. Like, and it's, and it's not just kids. Like I have a client who's an older gentleman in his seventies and he calls me Ronnie. He'll <laughs> call me up and he'll say, Ronnie, my boy, what are you doing? And I'll be like, well, sir, I'm doing this or that. And I take no offense whatsoever. Cause there's not a drip of malice. Right. It's generally showing affection. Right. And it's not something that I would be okay with, with everyone calling me that, mm-hmm. but in the context of that relationship with the differences in ages and all of our personal interactions we've had, I know that it is about as kind of gesture as you can make. Right. And kids can tell that difference too. Yes. So why do parents do that? Why do parents feel the need to force a kid to say, I love you? I don't know. Three main things kind of came to mind first of all, and they're very different. Um, Some kids, may take it as the parent is trying to control them, especially if they say it more than once with obvious expectation in their voice that it will be returned. Um, Some kids have even told me it will make the parent mad, they realize, if they don't say it back. Um, Sometimes parents may say, oh, I'm just kidding. You know, I know you're kind of sensitive about saying it out loud or you don't want to say it in front of your friends. So why do you keep saying it to them in front of their friends? You know, Um, and then I think probably the primary reason, at least in my practice through the years, it's been the parents need for reassurance to have the child 
reassure the parent that they do still love them. Right. So as parents, you, I think most all parents, even if they objectively are quite terrible at the job, want to be a good parent. And it's important to them to think of themselves as a good parent and to be thought of as a good parent. And one thing that a good parent has is a relationship with their child where their child loves them. And so something tells me that a parent who's going to try to force a kid to tell them that they love them the most is the parent who somewhere knows that they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing to be actually loved by their child. And that's why they need that reassurance. Is that right? And frequently that's why it would come up in reconciliation therapy. Right. Yeah. You're kind of saying the quiet part out loud where you're the whole thing of it is, am I, it's so funny. We just got through the, all those weeks of parental alienation and an overriding theme of that is that alienation starts to make a child feel unlovable. Right. Well, trying to get the kid to tell you, I love you is showing your hand that you don't feel lovable to the kid maybe. Right. Or that you don't deserve their love. Right. And this can get into competition too, because different kids at different ages, depending on their genders, will have different levels of um, connection with either parent. You know, you were talking to me a little bit earlier, little boys and their dads, you know, or little girls wanting to play dress up and wear their mom's clothes or shoes or whatever. At different ages and stages, they want to be more with one parent or the other. And that's okay. You know, as they develop that other parent gets their opportunity. Right. And it starts so young, you know, you were mentioning even a a baby having the parents who are still together an intact family. You can already see sort of that competition brewing between the parents about which one the baby loves the most. Right. And it's, Something that then becomes, if the parents separate, it turns into this loyalty bind, like we've talked about so many times, between the parents for that child's affection and love. And this gets us into the third piece of our structure for today, which, what are the effects on kids? So how does a kid receive this effort to, I think we can go ahead and say, manipulate them or force them to say, I love you. Uh, how should we think about this to, to organize it for ourselves uh, in terms of how a kid would receive it? Well, I think they would receive it differently depending on that developmental stage. They, you know, we have to look at their individual personality uh, a child that's very outgoing will be usually happy with saying it back to you and may, may not overanalyze it. A child that is very introverted and shy in general, not so much, even maybe one-on-one, especially not in public or around their peers. And then you add to that the context of the family system, their developmental stage. Yeah, there's so many different factors in this one little statement. 
Right. I mean, you have an outgoing four-year-old boy with a healthy, intact family system. That little boy might be throwing I loves you like just all over the place, like a ticker tape parade in New York City. Especially to his mama. Right. Because that's the stage yeah, where that, he thinks he's going to grow up and marry mama. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. 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 And then you get a teenage girl with her mom. Uh, probably less likely to be saying a lot of I love you's. Mm-hmm. Is that your perception? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unless they're enmeshed for some reason, which isn't healthy either. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, right. Normally, that wouldn't be the case. Right. And that's kind of another layer to it. You know, I know during that stage in my life with my mother, with parents that were in tech for 60 years, there were many days I didn't feel like saying those words to my mother. And she didn't feel like it saying them to me either. Right. Right. And what you we knew to we say loved to her, each other, but we weren't being gushy about it at that stage. Right. Or you wanted to see something that included the word you, but not the other words, I love you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So then what impact does this have on a relationship between the child and the parents? You know, you have this kid and kids feel pushed around all the time. They always have to do what the parents say. They have no control. And you've told me many times that one of the things that a kid can typically control to some degree is what goes in their mouth and what comes out of them. And this is a situation where the parent is forcing them to bring something out of themselves that is very special and emotional, and they didn't feel like doing it at the time. Right. And what I have found in general with the reconciliation through the years, I've always done it in a, especially with the office setting, a physical space where the parent could come towards the child for a hug or something. Now it's more with the virtual thing, more of the verbal, the I love you's and so forth. But I always set the boundary that don't go asking for that. Don't approach the child when it was in a physical space until they're ready to initiate that. Because what I found was they would come much nearer being ready to initiate it, sometimes surprising me how quickly, when it wasn't imposed on them. Right. Especially too quickly. And and if a parent is seeking to do that, is seeking to force it, then they need an individual therapeutic intervention. Yes. They need, they have some work they need to do on themselves to put themselves in a position of better self-esteem, better self-confidence, so that they can present an image that a kid finds attractive and safe and secure. Right. And there's even, I've noticed doing the virtual therapy, it's, there's a way that a parent can say it where the child doesn't feel it's necessary and frequently doesn't say it back. And that is, you don't end with the, I love you. And it's hanging in the air. You know what I mean? It's like the parent can say, well, I love you and I'm looking forward to our next session. Right. Right. Exactly. It doesn't imply anything supposed to be answered. Right. Exactly. You know, and it gets back to, 
you know, when I'm at GAL and I'm doing home visits, I will frequently, and sometimes parents get frustrated by this, I will sit down and play games and try to get the whole family to play a game. Just because you get to see those interactions, like, and I've had one parent tell me, I can't believe I'm paying you to sit here and play Call of Duty with me and my kid. But in sitting down and playing a game, you see how they interact, you know, the spontaneous communication because their mind is on something other than how they're supposed to be interacting at the moment. And it's those spontaneous interactions between a parent and a child that give you some real insight into what their connection actually is. And having the opposite of a spontaneous interaction of the forced, now tell me you love me. Right. It actually tells you so much about the relationship as well, just in the direction the parent didn't want. Right. But especially like we were talking about with my mother and I as a teenage girl, if you know all those above things and you force it anyway, you are asking to be rebuffed, to be pushed away from, you know, if you're looking for reassurance, you're going to get just the opposite. Right. So what should a parent who finds themselves, maybe listens to this and catches themselves saying, now I love you or, you know, Tell me you love me. What's a way for them to stop doing that? Should just stop cold turkey? Should they address it with their kid and said, "Hey, I know I've realized I was doing this. I'm so sorry. You know, don't worry about it." I mean, I don't. What should they do? That also varies age and stage with the child. I would say, now, if you've got a younger child that's going to look at you like you're weird. Why are you saying that? <laughs> you know, and boys, maybe more so, uh, probably don't need to go there. Just reel it in, you know, right. just stop. Yeah. And figure out practice other ways to say it. You know, it could, it could be just a little happy face. It could be, happy face with a little blowy kiss or something, you know, it's just, just something minor without using the words on a text. It could be, you know, it can, it can be said if you're doing a weekly or biweekly phone call to the kid, you can say at the end, I love you. And I'm looking forward to talking to you again on Thursday. Right. But you put it in, the context of the last part of it without making it hang in the air at the end. Cause I can imagine a, a parent who has said this frequently to their child and unwittingly created that situation in which right. you have that unease thinking to themselves, well, if I stop saying I love you, then my kid's going to think that I don't love them anymore. Right. And I don't want that to happen. So putting it in, in a way that doesn't seem to be hanging in the air, like you said, or require a response. You can reassure them that you love them, but take the pressure off for them to communicate with you in a way that they're not comfortable with. Right. And so many parents expect not only that the child will be their normal personality when they have that child in their own presence at their own home, they will expect that child to act like that when on the phone with the other parent listening at the other house. 
there's no way you can expect that ever. Right. And so if they're not even going to act normal, what you perceive as normal, how are they going to work up and I love you and I can't wait to see you again or whatever reassurance that parents need, you know? Right. And it may not be the case that the other parent is consciously creating an environment where the kid doesn't feel comfortable be. saying yeah. it. It's right. the loyalty it bond. Right. It's, the kid inherently feels the conflict, even if neither parent is trying to make it happen. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, anything else to wrap this up before we go? That's all I could think of right now. Okay. All right. Well, to all of you out there, we love you. Hope you have a great week. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next time. No, no need to send it back. See, I put it in the middle. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.